0: Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley and with me is Derek Specht. Derek, how are you doing this week? Oh, fantastic.
1: Awesome. this plaver. Let's get this show on the road.
0: Let's get this show started. I think we just did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> busy week this week? It's always a busy week. Yeah. You're working full days now, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I am six days a week. And you're loving it, aren't you? Nope. <laughs> yeah, you're loving it. No time off. But it's only
1: for this month. Next month, I'm back to normal.
0: Uh, that's ought good be good for you. Four days a week. Four days a week. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, they're 10 hour days. <laughs> Whoop-dee-doo. <laughs> <laughs> um, you do anything exciting on the weekend? Uh, no, I'm just barely surviving right now. <laughs> we, I got a buddy that's in a band and they played a festival this week and I, I always help them out with the big festival. So it was, uh, long hours, long days. Lots of beverages and a lot of food, a lot of food. Ukrainian? Ukrainian food, yeah. I think I'm in a a bit of a food coma and whatnot. And uh, no, it was a really good weekend, but uh, still trying to get over those long days. And It's been extra busy at work. I don't know why this week and last week and really, uh, well, you know what? It's the last week of September, you know? I mean, yeah. We're... And
1: it's that seasonal change thing. It always shocks me. And uh, I noticed it for the first time coming here to your house tonight to, for the recording session. It's, uh, it, it always, it kind of catches me off guard. It's like, you know, it's like all summer. I'm used to coming at the same time, coming here to the house, coming here. It's like bright light, sunlight. It's a fantastic summer days. It was a hot summer this year. And you know, it's great for being outdoors, great for being on the water, yada, yada, yada. And tonight it just, I was here at the same time as usual and it's dark. Yeah. And it's like, what? It's not even a time change week. It was just dark. So, you know, like last night I was out for a ride on the motorbike and I went through a couple of really cold clouds, just cold clouds of air. And it's like, whoa, that's chilly. And so it just kind of reminds you that the seasons are changing. It's, uh, summer's, summer's gone. Summer's past. We're,
0: we're almost into fall.
1: What's the first day of fall? 20. Last week? 21st, 20, <laughs> 20,
0: 21st, 22nd. 22nd, 22nd of August, uh, of September. Yeah. So last so, week. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we're there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. 21st or 22nd. Something yeah. Like that. Anyway, yeah. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's kind of sad because, uh,
1: it, you know, like you spend the summer, it's like, ah, it's too hot. It's too hot. It's too hot. And then all of a sudden, oh no, it's over.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's over.
1: <laughs> like the light's going, the temperature's dropping. It's uh, Well,
0: it's a time of year you get up in the morning, you go to work in the dark and you come home in the dark. <laughs> yeah, I think they got yeah. TV commercials about that sort of thing. I remember g- growing up and it was, uh,
1: the, the changing of the seasons growing, it, it seems to change throughout your life, right? When I was a kid, it was, uh, apple season, apples were ready. And in the morning, when you go to catch the school bus, suddenly there's little patches of ice in the mud puddles.
0: Yeah. And the frost. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So just to remind you, yeah, we haven't had frost yet, have we? Not yet. Yeah, I
0: mean, you walk, I walk out of the the house every morning and jump in the truck, you know, just t-shirt or whatever. And now, you know, you're starting to think, "Uh, today, the day I've got to grab that hoodie. (laughs) No, not yet. Then the next day, then the next day, then the next, eventually the hoodie is going to be grabbed every morning and then you migrate into a winter jacket. Oh.
1: (sighs) (sighs) Well, I'm going to make my winter better this year. I'm planning on getting in some skiing. So, really? uh, yeah, I'm going to try and, uh, get back into the winter seasons work, uh, is going to let me do it now. So, uh, I'm going to try and make myself a four season person again. Oh, that'd be fun. hmm It's been. Downhill uh, or cross country? Uh, downhill. Uh, I haven't, uh, my cross country skis are not up to par anymore. So, but I, I do downhill, I do skiing and snowboarding. We so. used to
0: do the cross country skiing out in Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, you travel for hours and hours and then you turn around and think, oh, no, I gotta go home. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said for downhill skiing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or g- gravitational falling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? I, I got, actually, I got to fix my snowshoes. My uh, wooden snowshoes snapped last year. Oh so yeah. I think I'll fix them over the summer and I never did. So I know it was, it's going to be one of those, oh, I got to fix those snowshoes or buy a new pair <laughs> because it'll be a last minute thing. You Just, only have you one know. pair? No, I got a pair of metal ones as well. The uh, aircraft aluminum oh, okay, ones. Oh, yeah. I got a pair of those that uh, work quite well, but um, I like the I like the uh, so d- the wooden the traditional, traditional ones, yeah. ones as well. You know, But I'd actually contemplated building myself, uh, what do they call them, the pulk, um, a really good sled, for pulling gear, cover, Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff instead of just the the regular sled sled that we use. Yeah, Yeah. pelican
1: sleds and stuff.
0: Yeah, thinking about maybe doing something uh, different that way. Uh, You know, lots of places to discover because once the the canoes get put away and the kayaks get put away, you know, you got to do something, right? Except dream about next season. (laughs) (laughs) But before the canoes get put away, I think we're, we got, uh, we're contemplating making a little run. Um, we're going to go up and do some videos that we'll post on our Facebook page. Uh, we've ordered, we talked about it last week, the Grail, um, water pier fires. So we've got a couple of those on order and we're going to do a little video on, on, on using them. Yeah. On their use and yeah. us using them and. Uh, your Enki stove. We've talked about it. We've posted little videos and links to the the sites. And I think maybe what we'll do is we'll go and do a little, I don't know, cook. Yes. Demo. Yeah. On it. We will use both of the stoves that I've got. Yeah. And we'll see how they can, comp- we'll compare them to the two twig stoves. Yep. And I think we'll do a video on your stingray as well. The tent. Yeah. The tent. The tree tent. We'll uh, do that. Because, I mean, we've been talking about them and, uh, you know, if we can get them out there, do a little video so people can see them. Yeah. And, something to uh, put on the website. Put on the website and they can actually see them firsthand, us trying them out and You know, see what we can do. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, you know what? It's been just planning for the, for the summer, for the, uh, the fall and a couple little trips and stuff. And I'm still don't know whether I'm getting out for my annual four day October. Oh, Father's Day. No, birthday Thanksgiving. Yeah. The Thanksgiving. Trip. Yeah. Yeah. I got so much going on that, around that time. I'd love to get out for a paddle. Now. I've only gone once with you on that fall yeah, yeah, that's when we saw the wolf, right? No, yeah, the great Dane and the wolf. Oh, those, yeah, <laughs> how can you forget that? People's dogs. from I re- remember campsite. that to the day I'm dead, two o'clock in the morning. There's a wolf. Wait, why is that a great that? Dane with him? <laughs> <laughs> why have they got bear bells on? Yeah, that
1: was that was the thing for me. It's like I first thought that those two, uh, I thought they were wolves and I thought, oh man, they must've got <laughs> caught in a trap and they got bells attached to them. because <laughs> some hunters usually tie bells to their, to their leg traps and stuff like that so that they can see where their, their, uh, their, whatever they caught has gotten off to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I
0: thought that somebody gotten, was was taking a run at our, uh, our barrel because I had the bear bell on that. Right. Yeah. But uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was freaky. It's like, that's not a wolf. It's a <laughs> dog. Right. <laughs> Great day with that wolf. Wait a minute. <laughs> better put my glasses on. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. That was weird. It, uh, uh, yeah, I, I got a lot going on. But there's a, a group of them, and they do the post-Turkey get-together every year. Oh, yeah? It's the weekend after Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, they go up to Algonquin somewhere. Who's this? Uh, it changes every year. Uh, well, Mark in the Park goes oh, okay. uh, stainless yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know. Um A bunch of them get together and they, they pick a spot and they all, they all head up the weekend after Thanksgiving and do a a few days up in the park. Do you know where they're going this year? They are contemplating a couple areas right now. One of them that they were contemplating to begin with, uh, was one at Canis Bay. One of the paddle in sites, the big one. Okay. That was set on fire. Oh. And is closed. Yeah. I I guess the camper, careless camper, um, There's a lot of them. Yeah. Burned down one of the, uh, the big site. And, uh, so it is now currently closed. So that one's out of the books. Uh, I think they got, I'm I'm not sure. They got a couple other areas they're contemplating, but, uh, I have a feeling it might be east end of the park. Mm -hmm. Uh, east end of Algonquin park. So if, if all else fails, at least maybe I'll get up for a day trip to go. If it's not too far and drive up, go in for the day, come out later in the, in the day drive home in the dark sort of thing. I've done that before. It's I need to start doing stuff with that, like that stuff with you guys again.
1: It's been years. I it's, uh, I get busy at work and and uh, I always used to do these trips with you guys. Mm-hmm. And then for the last five years or so, just because of work, I just haven't been able to.
0: Well, you know what? Like a lot of people, love you. I mean, I love doing the multi-day trips everybody does, but it gets to the point where you're just so busy that you can either say, you know what? I can't go. I can't go. I can't go. Or you know what? I'm just going to get up. Early, early, early. Do Everything's going to be ready to go. Yeah. The canoe's going to be on the truck already. I'm driving up. I hit the park, uh, f- the, the gate, the permit office. The minute they open, I'm the first customer waiting. I grab my <laughs> permit. I get to the put in and I'm gone for the day in, yeah. into the interior. And then I come out. I get to my truck. I tie the canoe on just as the last rays of light are hitting and I drive home in the dark. So I mean, you get your full day, but. You know, it's it's the only way you're doing it. I mean, times are, are busy, you know, you you have your, your regular job, you have the honey-do lists, you got yes, stuff absolutely. to do around the house and everything like that, that uh, you got to take the time when you can. And especially now, like I say, it's the end of September here. Yeah, you know, we're losing light here, we're losing season. We're losing a lot of it, yeah. So you take what you can get. If you get 10 hours of paddling and visiting with people on a campsite somewhere, have a couple of hot dogs and marshmallows and a beverage or something like that, you know, and a couple of coffees around the fire while you're staying warm, you know, get out for a little paddle around the lakes and whatnot, then then so be it. You take what you can get now this time of year. You know, and that brings up another topic and
1: it's one thing that's kept me from doing a lot of local paddling is, uh, and I've been warned about it a few times and I thought, oh yeah. So like what they say here, because we're right on Lake Ontario, mm-hmm. there's a large population, there's a large of zebra mussels. there yes. There's so much around. And unless you properly sanitize your canoe between trips, it's, they say you're not supposed to take your canoe from a lake. Lake Ontario, and they mostly talk about uh, fishing boats and stuff where you have bilge water, but it even includes like if you have some water left over in your canoe, they don't want you going up to some of these Northern pristine lakes. If you had been in Lake Ontario or similar lakes, because you're going to cross contaminate and you're going to spread zebra mussels. Yeah. And it's sort of held me back from using my canoe in Lake Ontario lately. And and I'm like a five minute drive from Lake Ontario from
0: my house, right? Well, we've, we've gone on an offshoot. We have a couple of rivers around us that you know, the mouth is at, is into Lake Ontario yeah. and we do paddle those and then we do go to other lakes as well. Do you sanitize your boat at all? I wash it. Like I, I'm, I'm not getting in with like hot soapy water or and, bleach. and bleach and all that. But, uh, and I don't, I, I think the bigger risk. I can't risk, honestly say I know anybody that really does. Yeah.
1: But I think the biggest risk is fishing boats that have bilge water. So yeah. if you put your fishing boat into Lake Ontario and then you transport it up to somewhere else that bilge water, if it gets pumped out, you're pumping out the, the uh, little, what do they call it, villagers or villagers or whatever they are, the small baby uh, zebra, zebra mussels.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if you've got water in your canoe, when you flip that canoe over.
1: It mostly, yeah, it all drains yeah,
0: out. Yeah. Speaking of flipping the canoe over, mm-hmm. I got to make this point. And, and I totally forgot about it when we discussed our French river trip. I had read, and I um, can't remember if it was in one of the magazines or or on the internet about tying down your canoe. It may have been in Canoe Roots magazine, how you do the crossover strap over the top and, and whatnot. And some people just do two straps to the roof racks. Yep. And one of the big things, I'm paranoid when it comes to tying stuff down on my truck and my cars and all that. I do the, the, the two in the front. The the ones over the top of the canoe to the roof racks, and one over the one down to the back. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, anything short of a hurricane, this canoe is not coming off.
1: Yeah, I do the same thing. It's I put two belly straps on it, and then a nose and a tail strap to the front and back bumper.
0: So they were saying that a lot of people just do the two belly straps. Belly straps. Yeah. You know, and that's when things happen. I always do the nose strap. Yeah. We actually. Coming back from the French River, the one belly strap broke. Oh, the and front or back one? The front one broke. And uh, yeah, if we had not tied it down at the front, that been, brand new canoe yeah. would have been gone.
1: <laughs> Whoa!
0: Yeah, pays to be paranoid. Pays to do yes, stuff properly. Absolutely. You know, and yeah, is all you hears is just bang. And uh, all of a sudden, one of my straps is just banging against the window beside me. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, wow. Wow. Scared the living bejeebers out of me. Huh. So anyway, let's get on with this. We got some land issues to discuss. Not really issues, but new places. You got a Derek's Destination. That I do. been Something brand spanking new, so new that- It's not even a month old. There's not a ton of information it on old. it, but- It looks like a good area. It's going to become a very good area for paddlers. Yes. And I've got something that's closer to home that I totally found out about by accident while I was watching some TV, waiting for somebody to come over and uh, pick me up to go down to this festival on the weekend. Just happened to flip on the TV and I saw something. So let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk your destination. And then later in the show, we'll talk my destination. Mm -hmm. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Derek, when we talk about our canoe routes and all that stuff that we, we know up here in Canada, especially in Ontario, we start looking at different things and some of the stuff we do a lot. And then we start looking at stuff south of the border and something I know that's, that you're, you're going to touch on. Um, when I hear the name or the term national monument, I automatically, especially when it comes to the, to, to the United States, I'm thinking of something like Mount Rushmore or or something like that. You think of an actual monument. But you have discovered there's a different type of national monument. Yes. And it's actually not, well, I guess it's not too far from, from where we are. And it actually has something to do with the Adirondack Trail, does it not? It sort of does. It's, it's,
1: uh, it's adjacent to the Adir- Adirondack Trail. The head of the Adirondack Trail is in Baxter, uh, Baxter Park. What is it called? Baxter, Baxter State Park. Baxter State Park. And this is right adjacent to Baxter State Park. So this is the Cadden Woods and Waters National Monument. So this was signed into existence on August 24th, 2016. So about a month ago. It's quite new. It's brand new. So this here park was, uh, this was something that, uh, was being created and pushed by Roxanne Quimby. She's the co-creator of Burt's Bees ointments and stuff.
0: Right, you get that stuff at the stores.
1: Yes. So she, uh, over the last decade or so, she's purchased in, in, uh, what is it? Northeast Maine, uh, which is the, uh, Penobscot County. So she's purchased about 87,500 acres. Wow. It's a huge chunk of land. So she, her intent with her, uh, with her organization was to create a park. She wanted to create a national park, but she had a little bit of pushback from, from Congress and, uh, she ended up going to, a, a different route. So you can, you can create a national monument or you can create a park. There's several different ways. So she tried to create a national park and, uh, because of the pushback, she went to the president of the United States and, and he's one of the, president Obama has created some more national monuments and more more parks than any other president previously. So national monuments, so in the the United States and uh, any of our American viewers or listeners will know about national monuments. And for anybody who doesn't know, A national monument is a protected area. It's, it's similar to like a national park. So, but it's, they call it national monuments and they are created from any land that's owned or controlled by the federal government. And it's proclaimed into being, you know, you can, it's either legislated through Congress Or the president can use the Antiquities Act from, it's 1906, the Antiquities Act first came into being. And the Antiquities Act was first brought into being to protect uh, a lot of native lands and native uh, historical sites and stuff. So initially there were managed by the war department and then yada, 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 become the national park service. Now the national park service monitors about 413 of these, uh, of these units of the national park service. So That's this a was the 4, 413th unit of the national park service. So this was brought into, into being on August 24th, which was the day before the centennial of the national park service, which was itself brought into being created in, in, uh, in, 1916. So again, back to the start, uh, Roxanne Quimby, she bought these 87,500 acres and she threw an endowment. She gave this back to the federal government and, or then, and Obama signed into being using the Antiquities Act and made it a national monument. And this, what this does is it protects the land. A lot of people were concerned about this. But uh, just because it's uh, they're taking away, oh, we can't uh, snowmobile there, yada, yada, yada. But th- all the existing, look, all these lands are currently used by snowmobilers, kayakers, canoeists, hunters. So there's no real change. So a lot of people are overly concerned, I think.
0: I think the biggest one, just by reading what you showed me there, was uh, forestry. Forest industry.
1: Yes. There was a lot of logging in these areas and mm. I'm not sure what's going to come of that. There's uh, there's still a lot of talk. And from what I understand, it's going to be very similar to Algonquin Park. Forestry and logging is still going to be permitted. Renewable and. If, if it's, yeah, if they have to do it in a renewable manner and then they will be permitted to continue and it'll be monitored and maintained and, and just like, just like what we know with Algonquin
0: Park. Real sustainability thing. Exactly.
1: So what this is, I think it's a good thing. It's what this does is it preserves this land for future generations from, uh, the constant encroachment of development and commercialization and, and, all that stuff. So this protects the land so that people can continue to enjoy it instead of
0: somebody coming in and building, uh, housing developments and stuff like that. Well, and looking at the map, the, it, the one side is, uh, fully along the Penobscot river. Yes. And that's got, a, I know a lot of uh, traditional, native traditional roots through yes.
1: there. And it's, uh, I- if you look at the, the map of the area, so this here is uh, adjacent, just east of Baxter State Park, and there's a var- very large swath that goes east or west of the East Penobscot River. So the east arm of the river. So on the east arm of the river, there's a large chunk of the, uh, this new Catadine Woods and Waters National Monument. And then there on the east side of the east arm, there's four different segments that are set aside. So it's not a, it's not kind of congealed together. It's not one single chunk of, uh, property, but what she, it was what she was able to purchase, right? And anybody who's familiar with the the main area, like Sugarloaf Mountain is a big ski hill. So there's a, there, it's just south of that. So, and in Baxter State Park is where the Katadan Mountain, which is the northern terminus or the sort of what most people consider the nor- northern edge of the Adirondack Trail, which is a 2,200 mile long trail. And what do we calculate that over 3,500 kilometers?
0: 3,540 kilometers. Yeah.
1: So there it's a, it's that area. There's a lot of hiking, a lot of recreation, canoeing and kayaking, camping. So all, all of these activities are still going to be able to continue, but with just a little bit more controls. And, um, right now the park to enter the park, there's still no, you still, there's no method of paying for permits and stuff. That's it's all being developed. Right. And so as part of that development, as part of that endowment of the 87,500 acres, uh, Roxanne Quimby also, she made an endowment of $20 million. This is for initial operational needs to create this national monument and plus a further $20 million for future needs and goals of the park. This is pretty amazing that she there it, there's been forethought. Instead of dumping it off onto the federal government and making them pay for it, she actually purchased the land, donated to the land to federal government, and then gave 40 million dollars for operations. And that's that will help go a long way for the creation and the operation and the running of this park. That's huge. It's it's a lot of money. It is. And what's going to be amazing though, and it's so Anybody who knows this area, there's always been, and again, we're a paddling show, so there's, been all, there's always been a lot of canoeing and kayaking there. It's very popular. The Penobscot River is is a very popular river for, for river tripping and for camping. This is still going to continue, but now it's going to be, there's going to be added controls. And of course, people don't like added controls, but what this will do is it will... It heighten, heightens the knowledge and serviceability of the park. So people, more people will be aware of it. More people will be able to enjoy it. Future generations. Future generations. It's there for them. The locals are going to say, oh no, more people are going to be in our area. But with more people come more services and and more- the tourist dollars. Tourist and, dollars. And, it's going yeah. to improve everything. And you, uh, unfortunately there's a lot of people uh, that nimbyism, right? No, you don't want to do that in my backyard type thing, right? Yeah. So unfortunately that is- a factor, but I think this is overall, this is a good thing and more people are going to be able to benefit it from it now that it's a, a new national monument. It's going to be a fantastic area. I look forward to looking into canoe routes in the area myself. It's, I'm, I'm only about a, uh, a 10 hour drive, a nine hour drive from, from the Northern end of these parks. And, uh, it's, it's an easy hop, skip and a jump to make it down here to check out this area. It's, there's a lot of routes, a lot of Areas, like if you, if you're familiar with area of view and look at a map, there's a lot of lakes and rivers in this area. As and there's w- some big rivers too. Big rivers. Yes. Huge. But combined with that, there's, it's very mountainous. Like uh, Sugarloaf Mountain is uh, 1,772 feet high. Uh, I'm not sure how Mount, how high Mount Katadan is, but it's the highest peak in the area, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I look forward to checking out this area it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things for people to do in this area.
0: Well, and they say there's already some lean-tos and, yes. and stuff that uh, camps that are, they're already set up. Exactly, there you is. You know, from, um,
1: uh, it's
0: previously.
1: Yes. Yeah, so Roxanne Quimby, she's the founder of Birch Peas. And, uh, so she created the Elliottsville Plantation Incorporated. So this group has already been, they, they were the ones that purchased land, but they also, they built cabins, they built lean-tos, they set up some camping areas. The, right. She was already moving towards creating this into a... a tripping, canoeing and whatever hiking, and hiking area. So it's, it's already been very popular. It's already started to being developed. So she wasn't hmm. just waiting for the federal government to take it over. She was already taking steps and staging towards creating a, uh, a vacation and camping area.
0: Yeah. It's mul- it sounds like it's going to become a good multi-use park. It will be yeah. multi-use. Yeah. And I mean, the, she talks about the snow or the, the snowmobiling and whatnot. Yes. But that'll be restricted to paths that are already made. Yes. So, so it's not be like you can go willy-nilly everywhere.
1: Yes. There'll be designated trails. And, and I think that's a good thing too. You don't need Yahoo's running around and, and trying to see what mountains and hills they can climb, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be designated,
0: uh, skidoo trails. And that's not, that's perfect. you do that? Do you get. Oh, the, absolutely. The, eventually I'm sure there'll be a canoe route map and, uh, you know, a paddling map sort of thing. And there's, there's a lot of area that you can be paddling and it doesn't need to be a canoe because there's not the portages and whatnot. Precisely. I yes. think there's going to be a lot of kayaks and paddle boards in there in no time, if there's not already.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool area. And uh, I'm looking at the, uh, the camping area maps right now, and, uh, there's a lot of, uh, shows, uh, canoe areas, camp areas. There's a lot of designated campsites. There's drive-in campgrounds, there's picnic areas. It's, uh, it's already very well developed. But now it's going to be, it's an official national monument and that brings in certain other federal monies as well as uh, Roxanne Quimby's money. So it's going to be further developed.
0: Now I'm looking at your map here, that orange line going through, is that a road or? That is a hiking trail. That's a hiking trail, eh?
1: So that is, um, that looks like it's a public road. It's really hard to, so the, the, yeah. So there's the green dotted lines that you're looking at are the hiking trails. Yeah. The big orange one is a, uh, no, there's public roads. Yeah. It's not really designated on the map. I think it's a main, one of the, the really big hiking trails.
0: So like the main artery with all the small ones coming off of it. Yes. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if it was It's uh, not very well I a mean, road that was like the equivalent of the highway 62. Yeah, it's not Algonquin well labeled. Park. It
1: is a hiking trail. It might be the northern arm of the Adirondack uh, trail. Part of the trail? Oh yeah. yeah. But you can see where it heads right into Baxter, Baxter. State Park. Right. And, but all, yeah, all these are, it's, there's a lot of hiking, a lot of mountainous areas. It's, it's really fantastic, this area. And I think it's a really
0: good thing that it's been created and, and protected. So I think if, if, with the paddler in mind who likes to hike as well, you're going to be able to paddle in.
1: Oh, absolutely. Camp yeah.
0: somewhere and like do day <coughs> hikes everywhere. Yes. I think there's going to be quite the multi-use park.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. I And, and like. Like there's uh, in in certain sections there's no hunting, but they've also preserved some of the eastern sites as you can still hunt. Right. And uh, so the main chunk on the western side, that's the large chunk, there will be no hunting is protected. But that you can when you look at the map, you'll see there's a lot of campsites, campgrounds, lean-tos, parking areas. It's it's very well developed. So I don't think you should be hunting in that area anyways as it is. But then the further east ones, they're more remote. These are newly purchased by Roxanne and there's uh they there's not a lot of services in the area, so there's less risk of having hunters in the area.
0: And innocent people without yeah. guns. Yeah, you don't know wander through the I'm you know, hikers and I don't and stuff, know to yeah. wear orange or whatever. Yeah. Right? But you know what, I mean, kudos to Roxanne Quimby for doing this, taking yeah. that land and saying, hey, you know what, here's what I want you to use it for.
1: Somebody with a foresight, She so she she profited greatly from her Burt's Bees, which is a main company, and she took a lot of the money that she earned from her company and, and poured it back into the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the altruism that you would hope that most people will give back and, and give back to the people that she earned her living from.
0: Yeah. And I know that you had mentioned that she was getting, you know, people were pushing back against her for developing this, which I mean, from our standpoint is just foolishness. But I mean, there, there, there was people saying this is in my backyard. I don't want this in my backyard. And uh, you know, just reading some of the things, these people that were opponents are now saying we're not necessarily going to be her friend, but we're going to now work with her to and help to develop, to help it develop and this steer into it. what exactly you know, and put their input into it, saying mm-hmm. fine, you know, if I didn't want this, but if it's going to be, then here's what I'm hoping to get out of it, or where you know, here's my input into what should be done, and hopefully everybody's happy at the end of the day with it, right? I mean, that's, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. You know? This
1: has all been in the news recently. So I'm sure most people have already heard about this. Anybody who is into the outdoors, canoeing and camping and whatnot, you've, you've most likely heard about this, but I'm just excited to talk about it. And I'm excited to learn more about, uh, canoeing and camping in that area. It's a, it's a, it's a great opportunity and advantage for me that I can have a, a newer area. Like I, until they did this, I didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is what helps highlight an area is when you do designate it, protect it, make it into an official park, or in this case, a national monument, it brings heightened interest to an area. And the locals are, I'm sure going to appreciate the, the tourism dollars, like you mentioned earlier. And it's just it's something that will be protected for future generations.
0: Well, it looks like a really good area with a lot of potential for paddling. Oh, absolutely, for sure. I just got one question. What's that? When? How are long, to long go? till the Scarlet Brothers are down there? Because they're,
1: you know, what? I'm sure they've already been to this area. Yeah. I have no doubt. Like the, with, uh, they're in Upper New York State, but yeah. this is this is just a couple hour drive for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're a lot closer than we are. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm sure they've already been there.
1: Yeah. So they should contact us and let us know what they Yeah, let us know how it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool destination there, Derek. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at AlgonquinOutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton.
2: Never fail that rocky oak trail is still uphill, both ways. If it was easy, everyone would do it. And that's okay by me. But why is it hiking, packing, yakking, or canoeing seems to defy the law of gravity? With a pack or a boat or whatever you tote, it doesn't matter just what it weighs, because it never fails that rocky old trail is still uphill both ways. Whatever. Tell me who said that I'd like to put their boots on this ground so they can follow me and kiss my back or a boat or whatever you tote it doesn't matter just what it weighs cause it never failed that rocky old trail is still uphill yes it's bitter Hill both ways.
0: On Friday night. Um, I was, uh, waiting for somebody to pick me up to go down to this festival, as I told you, and while I was there, he was, was going to be a bit, so I flipped on the TV and our TV automatically goes to TVO, uh, TV Ontario there. And there was a show that was on and it was called The Land Between. And I'm thinking, oh, The Land Between is probably some kid's thing or Isn't something there like that. Isn't a cartoon
1: that's called The Land Between well,
0: or something? The Land Before Time. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so that's I was what saying, came that's that's in my mind, <laughs> So I'm saying, oh well, okay, whatever. Let's see what this is. Well, nothing about kids, nothing about fairies or dragons or anything dread dinosaurs or anything weird like that. Uh, a while back, there was a fella named Peter Alley, and uh, Peter retired. He had a a cottage up north in the Muskokas. He'd been going there since he was a kid, and he decided, I guess that. In the area they were, they maybe make a conservation area or see what needed to be, you know. He was retired, looking for something to do by the sounds of it. Um, And he started looking at the land around his cottage and around the lake they were on. And then to the north of the lake they were on. And there was something weird he noticed. That it really wasn't Canadian Shield. And it really wasn't the St. Lawrence lowlands. Which is what runs into each other, Right. In the north end, north of Ontario here, you got the Canadian Shield, all the rock and everything. And then you, right next to it going towards the Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence River is the St. Lawrence lowlands.
1: The the lowlands, the fertile lands. The the sedimentary areas where everything
0: is kind of pushed down to after the glaciers moved. Well, he noticed there was something weird between them this was what he called the land between, between the Canadian Shield and the Lowlands. And it was sort of a mixture of both, but really neither. Yeah. So he started asking questions about it, um, talking to people, bringing it to their attention. And now, in this show, they were saying like, no one really questioned this before. And no one really looked at it like like Peter had had looked at it and so the questions started being asked and you know the, the the maps started being made and um i guess started studying this area these areas he was talking about and it they between the canadian shield ecosystem and the the saint lawrence lowlands eco, ecosystem the transition zone is called an ecotone, and the land between was a giant ecotone. Ecotone, T-O-N-E? T-O-N-E. And this goes from Georgian Bay by Perry Sound straight across to what they call the Frontenac Arch, which is, uh, if you look at a map, Kingston, basically beginning of the St. Lawrence River. Um and it's on the average, 40 miles wide oh, sorry, 40 kilometers wide, and it goes all the way down. And it is a very unique area. Now, one of the things is it runs parallel to just north of Highway 7. It's less rugged than the near north, but not as flat and arable as the south. It has an abundance of glittering small lakes, they say, rivers and wetlands between open granite ridges and limestone plains. Um, this area of land is uh, more shoreline than anywhere else in Ontario. Really? See, this
1: is the first time I've heard of this. Like, I guess you heard of it for the first time on Friday. And then when you mention it to me
0: tonight, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've never heard of it before. And I started investigating it. And actually, one of the things, the Trent Severn Waterway. Is part of it. it. Is part of it goes right through it. So it's sort of a transition zone where
1: you don't have this fertile land, and it's not quite the rocky north of the Canadian Shield. Mm-hmm. It's sort of where it blends together. It just blends it, yeah. And we, I, I guess further south, what do they call it? The, uh, the, the Oak Ridges and Moraine, and that's the yep. that's that ridge of of gravel and dirt that was pushed south by the glaciers. So this is the part that sort of separates the northern. Canadian shield from the southern flatlands and yeah. the fertile areas. Yep. And I guess I never really thought about it, but it, it does make sense. And and I don't know, it seems like this guy might've been splitting hairs, but then everybody's kind of jumping on board with it. Well, and it, see, it does seem like it's a distinct ecological area.
0: Yeah. And they, they're talking about, there's rare alvers and savannas, fens and meadow marshes are found there. You're talking Greek. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is that birds? <laughs> no, it's just um, part, different types of landscape. Okay, okay. But when you're talking animals, this is the northern limit. Like You look at this 40 kilometers wide strip. Okay. At the top of this strip is the northern limit for many species such as white oak, woodchuck, chorus frog, and the common crow. And then when you look at the southern part of this strip, it is... The southernmost limit for things like gray wolves, moose, river otter, American raven, and the common loon.
1: So it sort of creates a natural—I don't—I don't think we want to call it a barrier, but it's a natural edge of of a, of a zone
0: where these animals live. Yeah, uh, different animals and uh, plant species as well. Yeah.
1: So and then now this is interesting too because they they talk about. And I've heard talk over the the last uh, decade or so uh, since I lived in Ontario, they talk about as as global warming and as temperatures increase and as a natural progression from the last ice age, things are moving further north. So you have uh, the natural hardwoods south and the scrublands mm-hmm. north, and that line, that demarcated line is moving north. So you have like oak trees are slowly gravitating north and, and stuff like that, as well as uh, a- animal habitats. So now this seems like a further barrier to that northern migration of plant and wildlife.
0: Well, this area, actually, they say there's unique species only found in this area, like the five-lined skink, Ontario's only lizard, the golden-winged warbler, the whippoorwill, and the majority, holds the majority of the populations of rare turtles, reptiles, and amphibians, right? So, and because of this area, it is very... Um, environmentally fragile. Okay, yeah. Right? Makes sense. And that's one of the things that he notices and and why they wanted to push for this to start looking into it and getting protection for it because it, it needs to be protected.
1: How would you protect such a great
0: area? Well, it's just the parks and...
1: See, that's the thing. This, there's a lot of communities. Like there's, uh, what, Lake of Bays and Muskoka. And so this is a a very large, this is a lot of waterways. Ontario is a lot of water in the first place, but these are major uh, waterways, cottage areas. This is cottage country. This is where, and which naturally makes sense. Like it's where the greatest concentration of lakes and rivers are in Ontario. And so I can't see how they're going to be able to bring in extra protections. Like there's been so much pushback from the Oak, on the Oak Ridge's Moraine front. And this is just going to be another move where people are going to be poking up signs, uh, Ontario keep off our land type thing, right?
0: Yeah, but he's, before Peter, because unfortunately he passed away, uh, just as everybody started jumping on the bandwagon with this, right? Um, he got the Kuchiching Conservancy and the Kawartha Land Trust to take this project on and they found funding to support, um, and characterize and map the natural heritage of the land. Yeah. (coughs) Um, but the other thing that they have in their, their um, corner here to help is there's a lot of First Nations cultural sites oh, in the makes, land between.
1: That makes sense. There'd be a lot of fishing and hunting in the area.
0: We're talking, and one of the things they showed on the show was the Mazinaw Boneco Provincial Park, Mazinaw Lake. It's got yep. all the, the, the pictographs and everything on, oh, the, yes, on, the, yes. on the cliffs. Petroglyphs Provincial Park. That's all in there. Yeah, and this was the land between was an important travel route and spiritual journey for First Nations. So I mean, there's so much in there that's already protected. That you know, that really really helps out. It'll help the if if there is any protection
1: measures taking place. That's already you can progress from the already protected areas.
0: Yeah. And I mean, as pertains to our show here with the paddling, there are so many lakes and rivers and streams and wetlands to paddle up there. And that is the main place where. we both paddled this area. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're saying is you go in there and you check it out and, you know, you're not in there disturbing everything and, and whatnot. Now you're looking at, uh, the paddle routes and portages they have in the land between is Eels Creek, 45 minutes north of Peterborough. I've been on that. Yep. Um, Seven-kilometer run, six portages. Um, You know, there's a a, a high falls is there. You know, so there's a nice place to paddle. Uh, Noggies Creek, uh, east of Bob Cajun, right? So you're talking Bob Cajun, you know, uh, one of the the popular places off of Bass Lake Road. Um, Five-kilometer stretch. The Gull River flowing through Minden. Oh, yes. Right? It includes the Ontario Wild Water Preserve. Yes. So this is
1: the, now what was that? That was uh, Olympics or is that a uh, Pan Am Games? Th- but yeah, it's
0: a major... They races, con- they slaloms. They constructed a whitewater course there. Yep. Um, Kawartha Highlands Provincial Park, the Black River, the Head River, Beaver Creek and Crow River, the Mississippi River, and of course, the Trent Severn Waterway National Historic Site. Um, yeah, you know what? Go to the land dot CA to find out more about this. But yeah, this is like the perfect place to go paddling the perfect place with your camera to sit in your, your canoe, your kayak on your paddleboard, take some photos and see what a total different type of environment than, than we're used to Northern and, and Southern Ontario, uh, Totally took me by surprise. Had no clue it ever e- actually existed. Yeah,
1: we'll have to look into this more. Like I'm surprised that I've never even heard of this, but uh, this, is this just in the last five years? Uh, 10 years. 10 years.
0: Yeah. So this is all, this is a new movement. I just happened to, like I say, flip the TV on and there it was. So the thelandbetween.ca, check it out and you'll probably find that, you know, you've probably paddled some of these places already. And it's, it's really something that you, you want to uh, wrap your head around and, and, and check it out. And hopefully they are able to support. People are able to help support this thing and uh, get some uh, protection for it. Um, but you know what? We talked a lot about land this week. And, we uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It's uh, like I say, we were saying at the beginning of the show, it's end of the, end of the season. Uh, or the summer anyway, getting into the, the fall season. And... Um, I don't know, man. It's going to be a long winter, I think. I think it's going to be a hard winter. So the, the uh, Farmer's, Farmers Almanac.
1: Almanac talking about a, a lot of snow this year. It's going to be a harsh winter. It's going to be a hard winter. Yeah. Which not doesn't make me too happy one way is the fact that I'm going to have to shovel my driveway this year. <laughs> <laughs> but I might be able to get in a lot of skiing and snowboarding, so I'm kind of excited about that.
0: Well, yeah. I'm like I say I got to get my snowshoes repaired and uh get out and do some do some good hiking and stuff. I think I've
1: got eight pair of snowshoes. You can borrow one of mine. Eight pairs. At least. I think I've got... Uh, you can take your whole family now. I've got a sport running pair. I've got like three or four pair of wood. I've got two or three pair of aluminum, the white army ones. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready for winter.
0: All right. <laughs> well, thank everybody for listening this week. Check us out on Facebook and you can check us out on Instagram and you can check us out at Uh, paddlingadventuresradio.com. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Spest. We'll see you next time.